Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. I'm Cassidy, one of your Indianapolis Colts cheerleaders, and you're watching the Believe in Colts podcast. Welcome back to Believe in Colts. I'm Lawrence Owen, and with me today, I have a very special guest, Brett Coleman. Brett, I am really appreciative that you came uh, back onto the show, hang out with me for a little bit. Could you do me a favor, in case a lot of these people don't know who you are, uh, tell them a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, where they can find you, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I cover the NFL from a, I guess you could say from a national perspective, because I cover every single team, uh, primarily uh, both on my own podcast, the Bootleg Football Podcast, as well as on my YouTube channel, uh, which is just my name, Brett Coleman. Uh, I work with the NFL to create content with them. By the way, since this is a cult show, I can tell you right now, we're working on uh, an episode where they dug through the vault and found 20-year-old Bob Sanders, all 22. So we're working on a, a Bob Sanders breakdown for the NFL channel. Uh, I work with the Chargers, making content for them as well. Uh, I've done work with various other teams around the league. So I kind of kind of cover a little bit of everybody. Uh, and, you know, as somebody who grew up a Texans fan, I've watched – more Colts football, uh, more Colts football wins against the Texans than I care to admit. But uh, yeah, it's it's fun. I think the Colts are one of the more fun teams to talk about this offseason because they can kind of go in a whole bunch of different directions. And uh, I've enjoyed kind of studying all of those options this offseason. BetOnline remains your number one source for all of your NBA betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at BetOnline. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at BetOnline. Updated odds for everything from the individual games to individual points and scorers and all this other stuff. Just go check it out all the way until the last championship game. BetOnline is your NBA headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. It's funny you talk about how the Colts can go in a multiple a multitude of directions uh, this offseason. When it comes to the quarterback, a lot of, we were talking about this before we got on, a lot of the fans have a set. You know, you need this quarterback because of this head coach or, you know, things of that nature. Uh, there are four top quarterbacks in this draft, generally speaking, mm-hmm. most mostly consensus. You know, you got your Bryce Young, you got your C.J. Stroud, um, you got your uh, Will Levis, and then, of course, Anthony Richardson. Um, of those four guys, I'm just – if the draft falls perfectly – which of those four guys do you think would probably rise to their best potential if they were an Indianapolis Colt and fit the best with the Indianapolis Colts? Well, I'll take Bryce Young out of it because I'm 95% sure he's going at one and deservedly so. It's the other three, Stroud, Richardson, and Levis, where we're not sure what order they're going to go in. And we can we can say fairly confidently that the Texans are out on Stroud. Not not anything against Stroud, but um, we're pretty sure that they have an absolutely ridiculous grade on Will Anderson. 
and if they don't trade out of that pick for a team that wants to give up a bunch of picks for a quarterback, I would assume they're going to take Will Anderson at two, which means the remaining two picks at three and four, if even if there's only three quarterbacks that the Colts like, they're going to get one of those unless somebody trades up to two to get Stroud or Richardson or whoever. I think the most likely scenario is that if somebody trades ahead of the Colts, it's to the Cardinals at three, the Texans take Anderson at two. And so they're staring at either Stroud or Richardson at four. Levis is somebody who I would not take it for. I think his inconsistent accuracy, um, his, his, he takes a lot of sacks that he really shouldn't. Um, I think decision-making accuracy, pocket presence. Again, he's got a lot of talent. I just don't think he's all the way there yet. I think if there's anybody that honestly needs to sit the most as a rookie, people say, oh, it's Anthony Richardson. No, it's Will Levis to me. Anthony Richardson, I would have more confidence in starting as a rookie than Levis right now, just based on things that I see on tape. Just maybe because of his ability to uh, you know, act on the fly and extend plays and things of that nature. I, just, I think Richardson's he's got better pocket presence. Um, I think he's better at avoiding pressure. And I don't mean in a scrambling way. I mean, like literally manipulating the pocket. He's just, it's just a better natural feel for it, even mm. though he started a lot less games. I think ball placement is more consistent. I know people bring up um, like completion percentage and everything like that. But when you consider like average depth of target and everything like that, like Richardson was making on average harder throws. Um, and his skill position players weren't all that. Like I know it's Florida, but it's, like they didn't they didn't have as much help there as maybe some past Florida teams. So I think Richardson is a better prospect. I think it's more likely that Richardson is available at four than I thought two weeks ago. And if Richardson is there at four, he's the quarterback who I've kind of thought the Colts should be targeting all along because I think looking at what Steichen does on offense in terms of simplifying things through aggression, being a very vertical passing game and augmenting that with uh, a run game that is not afraid to use the quarterback, uh, especially in between the tackles, I think if we just copy and paste what the Eagles were doing with Hertz and put it over with Richardson, Richardson could absolutely run that offense as a rookie. Obviously you want to see him, you know, come along at his own pace. So if, uh, if Gardner Minshew needs to start some games, Gardner can run that system too, obviously without all the run game stuff, but in terms of like maximizing what Richardson does, I think Steichen's offense in particular with how vertical it is, how aggressive it is, how much it integrates the quarterback run game. Richardson is the fit for the Colts, and it's more realistic that he's there, I think, than, than what I thought like two or three weeks ago. If, if Stroud was going number one and the Texans are taking Young at two, all of a sudden I think people trade up for Richardson at three. But if only three quarterbacks are going in the top four, now I think they have a chance to get at Richardson. And that would be, that would be a massive win for Indy to me. I have been discussing this ever since the season ended, like the NFL season ended, about how um, the first overall draft pick in the history of the NFL draft has averaged about 70 games for their career, which is in today's aspect, they, they wouldn't even get you know a second contract, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that averages out to about four years. So the worry about drafting, to me, high end with a guy that has a potentially higher bust potential 
really worries me a little bit. And which of these guys do you think of the top three, say, quarterbacks that, that you're looking at, which of these guys do you think have is more likely to wash out rather than, you know, hit their ceiling like most mm. teams who are drafting hopes for? You know, it's it's funny because I don't I don't really see that. Uh like in terms of like, you know, bust potential. I think I think people I think people have have been really looking at Anthony Richardson as like the risk. And I truly don't don't believe that he is. And I, I think maybe he's almost underrated. And it's weird to say for a guy who's gonna go in the top five, like almost guaranteed. <laughs> I think he's almost underrated in what he can do. And I think people misinterpreted what his skill set actually is. And when it comes to a quarterback busting and, you know, talking about uh, number one overall picks that play like four years, five years, a lot of that is because generally when guys go number one, they're on a really bad team. And a lot of quarterbacks that wash out of the NFL, regardless of where they're drafted, wash out because they have a really bad support system. And, I don't necessarily think the Colts are a bad support system. I think that regardless of who they take, Levis being of of the top four, Levis being the one that I have the least confidence in, but even if Levis went to Indy, I think Indy's support system is very underrated, and I think that they would have a better chance of succeeding there now than, say, if it was last year, was, was not ideal for him in terms of pass protection. Right guard was a mess. You know, it took Ryman, like, seven games to get settled at left tackle by the end of the year the offensive line was was looking a lot better and the the offense as a whole looked a lot better but like you put a rookie into that first half of the Colts season last year and I don't care who it was this year it could have been Bryce Young and and he would have gotten eaten alive because the pass protection was not good it took him a long time to settle in they were rotating a lot of guys I think going into this season things are looking a lot more stable on the offensive line and we still have more picks to add there. I think in terms of skill position players, I'm a huge fan of Pierce. I'm a huge fan of Pittman. McKenzie is like a speed slot. Um, you could still add some receivers, but like that top three is is fine to me. Like tight end, like Jelani Woods. I'm a huge fan of Jelani Woods. Obviously, running back is is amazing. There's a lot there to work with for a young quarterback. So I think the bust potential is really about the team that a player goes to. And the Colts are a good team like I picked them to win like 12 13 games last year they're not that far off like things went poorly but they're really not that far off they just need one good draft you plop a talented rookie in there and they're gonna be fine yeah I kind of agree on that you know the the two bad spots that really affected the team last year I don't even think it was quarterback I don't think Matt Ryan I feel like with the pressure off the edge, as you talked about, you know, at the beginning of the season at left tackle, and then what seemed like a freaking free open doorway at right guard, right? It was. Uh, it, was. <laughs> it was horrible. It was the worst right guard. It was a combination of guys, right? But if you just mm-hmm. combine all those guys into a 17 game starter at right guard, that was the worst right guard in football by yeah. like a lot. It was and, horrible. And- and I don't care what they say about the left tackle about it. The thing about a left tackle, you can be burnt on the edge. If the quarterback can step up into the pocket, then he's mm-hmm. a little bit more safe. If your right guard ain't doing his job, mm-hmm. you know, 
there's nowhere to go if you're not a mobile quarterback. You can't step up into, you know, oncoming traffic. So that was a, that's a big deal. I feel like that spot that you're talking about, that right guard spot, should be addressed fairly early in the draft. Obviously, probably not pick number four, but you know, second, third round, I would assume. And th- something- this is a very strong interior class too. That's what people forget. Like the 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 strengths of this draft class actually line up very well with what the Colts need. They're yeah. going to get at least one on day two. I would, I would hope so. I would, I would really hope so. And I, I agree. I think I feel like Ryman really started about the time when Jeff Saturday became the interim head coach, you started seeing mm-hmm. Ryman get a little bit better and better. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact as you know, Saturday dropped guys in, actual spots and did not move them around you know they got to work yep. in that position week after week after week practice after practice after practice and that's that's the way you know you get better especially for a guy like Ryman who a year and a half prior to that was a tight end in college you know mm-hmm. so <laughs> I mean he needed even all then, the experience he, he could get he hadn't even started playing football like I don't think he's only been playing football what like five years of his life yeah <laughs> so and it's like okay go out there and block uh go out there and block miles garrett go out there and block daniel hunter zadarius smith it's like good god <laughs> right <laughs> what do you want the kid to do <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um let's say now obviously everybody's big board is much different everybody grades players a lot differently let's say Ballard has two quarterbacks. Ballard, you know, has talked with Steichen and all his guys and 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 his uh, uh, scouting team and everything. He's got. Let's say he's got two guys that he really really likes at quarterback. Let's say both of them are taken in the first three rounds. Hmm. What's what's his options at that point? Does he trade back? Does he grab uh, a, a defensive player or a, another offense? What would you do if you were Chris Ballard in that position and your big board for quarterback is gone at pick four? I don't. The thing is, if they're picked clean at quarterback by four, nobody's trading up anyway, right? So you kind of got to stick and pick. And at that point, it's it's best defensive player on the board, which can be a variety of names. It could be Will Anderson. Could be Tyree Wilson. I'm not sure on Jalen Carter because I think it depends on off-field stuff, and I don't I don't have access to all that information. They obviously will, and I think we'll get a, a decent indication of what was going on uh, based on where Carter goes, or rather, how far he goes. Mm-hmm. Um, it could even be corner. Not that not that secondary is like the biggest need on the team, but like I, I like Isaiah Rogers. I think Dallas Flowers has some potential, but I don't necessarily see a number like a true number one corner. So if if they really like Devin Witherspoon uh, or if they really like um, uh, the Oregon kid, Christian Gonzalez, like it's not that far fetched to see them go corner over Will Anderson if they think that they have better depth at pass rush than they do at corner. Because you could still get a really good edge on day two, but you're not getting Witherspoon or Gonzalez. So. I would definitely think it's defense between corner and edge. Um, and I'd be very fascinated to see which which one they prioritize because I think that tells you what they believe the day two 
uh, group looks like for the other position. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would assume that it would either be pass rush or corner uh, that they would go, especially since, um, you know, Gilmore is now not on the team mm-hmm. and Ngakwe is, I think, still currently a free agent. But yeah, that actually surprised me because I didn't yeah. think that he was legally allowed to play football unless it was for Gus Bradley. So uh, <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't signed him back yet. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I honestly thought that he would be re-signed uh, after after Gus, after it became obvious that Gus was going to be the defense, uh, kept as the defensive coordinator. But, you know, I was talking to Robert Mathis about a month ago on, on, on here, and he was like, he's moved five teams in four years. Now, a lot mm-hmm. of that is he's pretty much, you know, as you talked about, you know, hung on to the coattails of Gus Bradley wherever he went. Mm-hmm. But it still begs a big question. Why aren't teams keeping him? I mean, even, even you know, at least the other teams would want to keep him there. Uh, you got situation with Baltimore. You had the situation when, when after he was traded there. Uh, all sorts of things that happened over his past four seasons. It's not like there is a lot of questions when it comes to the fan base. It's, it's not that he's not productive. I mean, his base stats are there. He's usually around 10 sacks a season. There's a lot of questions on how impactful those stack, sacks are, you know, mm-hmm. in game. And there's a lot of questions on, you know, what is his run stopping ability? You know, that, that he's not good at the run, but not a whole I'm lot. Thinking back to Leo. A yeah. Leo is, I mean, when we had Dwight Freeney, who was, was basically, you know, another Leo in that situation, uh, he was not good at stopping the run. No one mm-hmm. cared. Nobody cared. When you're getting 16 sacks a season, no one cares, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how, what do you think is going on with, uh, Unique is is that a situation where he's he's looking for another spot? I mean, do you think he finds another spot, or do you think this is a situation where he's waiting for the draft to happen? Because I, I think, know a lot of players are probably doing that. I think his agent wasn't getting the offers that the agent wanted, so he's going to wait it out. Um, and you know, after the draft happens, teams teams that don't get an edge in the draft, even though this is a very deep edge class teams that maybe miss the boat on an edge run they're gonna be like ah we can go get yannick and he'll get he'll get that it'll probably be another like one year mercenary mercenary deal right um maybe they're waiting for training camp for somebody to get injured and they they got to bring in a guy at the last minute like that happens every year so i think his agent is like we're gonna hold out we're gonna get the best offer we can but that's probably not coming till the summer that's the fact that he wasn't signed in the first couple waves of free agency means that I think it's going to happen around summertime. Okay. All right. Well, in my opinion on defense, I, I think uh cornerback is our biggest need. Uh, I feel like mm-hmm. our defensive line, we've got a lot of young, unproven, inexperienced talent that has flashed over time. Uh, I think they just need some time to develop. Um, like Ode Ingbo and some other guys like that. If Taekwon Lewis could ever stay healthy, he I think he would be <laughs> solid. Um, Big if. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what is it with Ohio State guys? 
anyone <laughs> from Ohio State, if they're drafted in the first two rounds of the last like six years, they're guaranteed to have a season ending injury within their first two seasons. Yeah. It happened oh. with Bama. It happened with Bama for a while. Like you could almost count on oh, they're a Bama guy. They had microfracture surgery at some point. Like that for a <laughs> long time, like that was like the thing with Bama. It's like they they come to the NFL broken. And it kind of feels like that with Ohio State. Like they get maximized at Ohio State and they just they're banged up, they're bruised. They were playing more college games than anybody else because they were always going to bowls, always going to uh, you know, playoff games. And so they just come to the NFL just battered and it takes them like a couple years to to settle in so we were talking about well i I kind of rolled off topic a little bit where i thought i figured that the the cornerback is you know a very important position obviously like you said you don't see a number one shutdown corner on this team i don't either um like i said uh, rogers is is intriguing uh i think he's got a high potential uh, Kenny Moore has done very well uh, for himself in the slot, but last year he's, he did not play up to what he was in years previous. Let's say Colts do draft a, cor- a quarterback in the first round. Who's some day two, day three guys at cornerback mm. that you feel like would be a really good fit for a Gus Bradley style defense? That's really fascinating. Um, kind of looking at my my rankings right now. Porter's going to be gone. Brian Branch is probably going to be gone. That's if they want to replace more at nickel, which I'm, I'm not totally convinced they would do that with an early pick. Um, I could see, I could see two guys that are built entirely differently. Uh, Julius Brents, who's a huge, huge, very athletic, very explosive corner from Kansas State. Bigger guy, longer arms could theoretically develop into a, a, a good like press press guy over time. Um, Cam Smith from South Carolina is one that really intrigues me, especially if we think that Gus is like, okay, we're going to be in that that single high cover three. He doesn't play it as much as he used to. It used to be like 75%. It's down to like 60% now. But if they still want to major in that, with a corner that kind of plays off, plays with space, can drive on stuff underneath, has range, has ball skills. Um, I would say Cam Smith from South Carolina in in day two area uh, would definitely fit. He is on the lighter side. He's built sort of similarly to Jonathan Joseph, like a little bit skinnier than Joseph was. Um, but again, he's like 6'1", 180. But he tackles better than you expect. Extremely explosive mover, great hips, great feet, can really drive on the ball, plays well in space. Uh, if they if they don't want to run just like we are playing press uh, single high and we want to kind of have guys sag off a little bit more, I think Cam Smith is somebody who naturally kind of fits that type of play style. Um, and even though he's 180, I think, I think the tackling ability, it's less about he gets run over and more so he just takes bad angles sometimes. But I think, I think you, can, you can fix that. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say Cam Smith as a Colt would make a lot of sense to me. So you were talking about the the athletic, really big dude. That the, that's something that Ballard. It seems like in his history of drafting, goes for guys with really really long arms and is really athletic. And, and it's not just on you know cornerbacks. It's like over the entire defense. You know that's who he likes to go grab. Oday Ingbo on the defensive line is a really tall, long armed guy. Darius Shaquille Leonard, you know, 
uh, long armed, fast dude. Uh, you know, guys like that. Uh, so keep an eye on him. I would say if he's available, um, oh, yeah. to, to be grabbed, that's probably kind of in his wheelhouse a little bit. To, to put it in perspective, he's six, two and a half, 200 pounds, 34 inch arms, 41 and a half vert and 11, six in the broad. Wow. So it's hard to draw up a more athletic big corner than that. <laughs> uh, wow. Um, so let's jump back onto the other side of the ball. We talk about the quarterbacks, uh, you're, you said you like Richardson for quarterback. Mm-hmm. Let, let's say, let's say the Colts do get Richardson. Mm-hmm. All right, at, at quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, is there a situation? I mean, does he start the beginning of the year, or do you think that this is a situation where you kind of, you know, coddle him a little bit, get him to learn a little bit more? Because from what I was understanding. Um, after the draft, after, or after the draft, uh, after, after the combines and the pro days, I I was understanding that there was a a lot of question marks about his football knowledge, you know, just in general. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's more so a lack of experience, right? Um, Mm -hmm. it's more so they ran what they ran at Florida, which like a lot of college offenses is very pared down to what you're going to see in the NFL. But that doesn't mean that his NFL, his future NFL destination, can't just run a pared-down version of what they want to run and then add slowly over time. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks have that, right? Where it's like, okay, we start out with the basics uh, and then we expand from there. Happened with Lamar in Baltimore. They started with, uh, even though Lamar had come from a pro-style system at Louisville, they're running wildly different terminology and everything like that in Baltimore. So like, we're going to, we're going to run a, a smaller version of our eventual playbook and expand year over year over year, which they did with Greg Roman. Greg Roman's passing game wasn't great, but you, you could see evolution and expansion from season to season. They were kind of just getting Lamar ready from year to year and getting one MVP. So I think it worked out just fine. Uh, Jalen hurts is another one, like ran a very pared down system, expanded, over and over and over again throughout his first three years till, you know, eventually Steichen was running what he was running last year. Uh, and like, it was just a, a I don't want to say it was like a simple NFL offense. It wasn't as complicated as like Earhart Perkins or anything like that, but like it was a full NFL offense. Like Hertz was reading the whole field. They were running a whole bunch of full field concepts and he, you know, he eventually got there and now he's the highest paid player in football. So I think you can, if you have a good coach, which Steichen is, you don't have to run a full NFL playbook that you know a young, inexperienced guy wouldn't be able to immediately have every single you know, protection down, wouldn't have every single check against whatever look he's seeing, wouldn't be able to understand every single uh, side adjust for every single concept based on if it's middle field open, middle field close. There's a lot that goes into an NFL offense. And I think if you if you feed it to a young guy um, in a, in a digestible way, you can make it work. All that being said, Gardner Minshew is going into this team already knowing all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So even if they do take Richardson, I still think Gardner starts day one, just because 
you can run everything. Well, everything except the, the quarterback run game stuff, but like you can run everything in the passing game with Gardner because he already knows everything as you're bringing Richardson along. And if you want to get Richardson on the field, you can do certain packages that include elements of the quarterback run game in addition to running like simple stuff like 989, which is two go routes down the boundary and a middle read up, up the middle of the field, which is what they like most of Philly's chunk plays last year were on that concept. Anthony Richardson can run that just fine. So like you can, you can still get him on the field while Gardner's the starter. And then eventually at some point during the season, you work Richardson in more until eventually Richardson takes over the starter. But I, I don't necessarily believe that it's a, it's a lack of knowledge that he can't learn. It's more so a lack of knowledge that he hasn't had to learn yet is how I would phrase it. Okay. Okay. Cause you know, I go back to a lot of these, high-end draft picks, uh, the history of the Jets, the history of the Browns, got teams like that where they, they, you know, you're grabbing guys at three, two, one, you know, year after year. It seems like every four years they're, you know, flipping a new quarterback, except for the Browns, obviously, right now, because they they went out and spent and got their guy uh, for who they believe is going to be the future. But that's the first time they've done that in a while. You think, like, that's a situation where you think that had a lot to do with, with the support system around the quarterback. And then that just didn't work out with the quarterbacks and uh, more, more so than just the, the quarterback themselves that they drafted. Yeah. I mean, there, there are some times where it's like very clearly like, okay, the, the quarterback just wasn't ready for the NFL. Like Zach Wilson, like I thought the jets had a pretty good support system. Um you could argue that Greg Knapp passing away, unfortunately, uh, really stunted Zach Wilson's growth going into the 2021 season because all of a sudden he didn't have a quarterback's coach who was literally there to handle development. Like that was going to be Knapper's job. Um, and so they were kind of relying on veteran backups to fill that role. And it's, it's just not it's not the same. Right. Um, and and. You know, you could argue that that Zach Wilson had very clear flaws on his tape at BYU that were kind of ignored by the Jets. So, like, he's kind of a special case where it's okay. Like, the the talent around him was good. The coaching staff, unfortunately, because Greg Knapp passed away, maybe wasn't ready to develop him like he should have been. Um, but there's other guys, like Sam Darnold, same team. Back when they drafted Sam Darnold, there was no support system. Mm-hmm. And even though the coaching staff, when Darnold was a rookie, I thought was fine. They didn't have any talent around him, so he still flamed out. Um, now, all of a sudden, Darnold is in San Francisco, where there's more talent than he's ever had and a better coaching staff than he's ever, than he's ever had. I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden, like five years in, Sam Darnold becomes something because all of a sudden he has that support system. It's, it's very rare that you see a quarterback go into the NFL that doesn't have a support system that can completely, or at least not like a great support system, that can completely carry a franchise as a rookie. The last one I saw do it was Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck was Andrew Luck. (laughs) Like he was the mountaintop, the pillar. He was everything. Like even Trevor Lawrence, who was seen as the best prospect mm -hmm. since Andrew, he wasn't good as a rookie because the Jags were a dumpster fire. All of a sudden he gets a better coach. They better invest in in receiver around him in year two. and And he wins a playoff game. So not everybody could be Andrew Luck is my point. And I think that's evidenced by the fact that there has not been a prospect as good as Luck in like 10 years. 
Well, I mean, you build off of that. You go back to, uh, again, staying with the Colts, go back to Peyton Manning, you know, his rookie mm-hmm. season. It, really, he had one guy he could lean on, and that was it on the offense. And he set the rookie record for most interceptions thrown in a season, you know, had mm-hmm. a terrible win-loss record during that year. And the Colts just went out and started getting him talent, you know, or to, to surround him with get, building up his support group. But some quarterbacks, it seems like you put them out there that first year without the talent. I, I feel like there's the NFL quarterback version of shell shock, you know? Yeah, in, it's in a confidence situation. issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think we saw it with Zach Wilson. Like, I think his confidence got shattered his rookie year and it just never, never came back. Yeah. I think same thing happened to Darnold. I think, um, you know, Lance is kind of incomplete at this point just because a lot of it's injury-based. Um, I would say, you know, I'm trying to think who who got taken in like 2017. So uh, Mitch Trubisky, there were some there were some coaching changes after year two that kind of completely changed how they were running the offense, and he had a really rough 2019. I think that shattered his confidence. He never recovered. Like he was a very different quarterback in 2018 to 2019, and he just never got back to 2018. So like I think it's it's very easy to ruin a quarterback. I think people don't realize that. And, and you need to have a good, strong coach. And you need to have at least some talent around him or it's not going to work. It's just not. No, no. Uh, n- another name. I, actually, the name is escaping me. The the guy that uh, Kyler Murray uh, replaced. Rosen. Yeah. Yeah. That was the worst quarterback situation maybe that I've ever seen. He had no yeah. chance. He had no shot. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was I always thought, you know, get him on a decent team with some was, but at that point it's like the damage is done, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it'd be very difficult to pull him out of the, the mental uh, situation that he was put in at that point. Um, we're about 34 minutes in. Uh, how, how are you feeling right now? I'm good. Good. We good? Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. We can, we can keep going for a little bit longer. Uh, we got a new quarterback contract. We're going to, we're going to kind of step away a little bit from the Colts a little bit. We you just got done talking about Jalen hurts, um, being, you know, record setting deal that just happened. Got some other quarterbacks out there looking for contracts. Lamar Jackson, obviously being one of them. There's another one though. That's over there in the AFC West. That's got a contract coming up here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's your expectations there? Uh, Herbert's agent slides a paper across the table for whatever number they want, and they sign it immediately. <laughs> That's my expectation. <laughs> Same thing with Burrow. Nope. Burrow can just ask for whatever he wants at this point, and he's going to get it. I, I I see Burrow. I see Burrow with that, but – would the team come back with the whole, you know, like, okay, so Daniel Jones shocked a lot of people this past offseason with his contract. He he said he wanted $40 yeah. million, got it, you know, and we're all like, he don't deserve that. I personally felt like he deserved around $35 mil a year because if you actually look at what he's done 
since he was drafted, he's literally gotten better year after year after year. And that's what you want to see from a quarterback. You know, you don't want to just see, oh, oh, wow, he did really well this year. But, you know, you didn't see the step progression, but you did Mm -hmm. see the step progression from him year after year. And he won a playoff game, which is a feather in the cap when you're trying to negotiate uh, contracts. Does the the lack of playoff success hurt Herbert in any way? I would say no, because I think it's you have to look at the context. Um, and I actually did a video on on like how the Chargers lost to the Jags, and it wasn't even really Herbert's fault. Uh, Michael Davis, who's a, a corner for the Chargers, you know, big body guy, press guy, he got hurt towards the end of the first half, and they had to completely change how their defense runs because of that they started calling certain coverages that they weren't as comfortable with and you know doug peterson when he smells blood in the water (laughs) he's gonna hurt you uh and and that really uh spurned on uh, a lot of the jags offensive success in the second half and you know obviously you could say okay well the chargers didn't really score in the second half again chargers were running on fumes in terms of injuries at that point in the season justin herbert's rib cage was still made of jello because he had been playing on broken ribs for virtually the entire year. Rashawn Slater was still out. He was still recovering from a torn bicep. Um, they, they had to shift the offensive line multiple times due to injuries. Mike Williams got banged up because his ankle injury just never went away. Um, you know, Keenan uh, had de- dealt with injuries the entire year. Like for, for most of the year, like their, their top receivers were, uh, it was the kid they drafted out of Tennessee and like DeAndre Carter. Like they didn't have Mike Williams and Keenan on the field together for like 90% of the season. So the fact that they still even made the playoffs and were even in that position with an injured quarterback was a testament to, to Herbert. Let alone the fact that Bosa was hurt for a huge chunk of the year. Mac was hurt for a huge chunk of the year. Um, like they, they were just, they were dealing with so many injuries in typical chargers fashion. Cause they're not allowed to have nice things. People get hurt there. It just is what it is. Um, but the fact that they were still even in that position is a testament to how good Herbert is. And if that team stays healthy, that's a 13-win football team. Maybe even 14. Like, they would go toe-to-toe with Kansas City. I truly believe that. And honestly, when wow. you look at, at, at who plays Kansas City the best in terms of who gives them the most trouble, it's the Chargers. It really is. Um, like, schematically, talent-wise, like, the, teams, the team that always scares – KC the most with quote unquote almost wins, you know, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. It's the Chargers over and over again. They don't really have problems with anybody else, except I guess, except Cincinnati. But again, we're talking about two quarterbacks that are gonna be making a lot of money. It's the two quarterbacks that scare the crap out of Kansas City, and that's Burrow and Herbert. Colts are pretty good against Kansas City. Which is okay. Weird. That was that was the weirdest game. Oh, that I've like special teams ago, defense. I don't, I don't know how the Colts <laughs> do it. Cause like on paper, they should lose by 20 mm-hmm. and it's and just for whatever beat, reason, for, for whatever reason, the Colts are able to hold down Kansas city's offense to under 20 points. Every time they play them with every Gus Bradley, time. with Gus, yeah. like, Mahomes traditionally murders Gus Bradley. Mm-hmm. Except when he's in Indy, I it's voodoo, man. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I don't. I don't either. Uh, it's 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 interesting. Uh, the Colts have beaten the Chiefs the last three out of the last four times they played them. The only time they didn't beat them was 
their Super Bowl, uh, the Chiefs Super Bowl run uh, in the playoffs. Uh, so that's it's one of those situations where I think it's just some teams are built a specific way, you know, and you have troubles with them. Uh, What's the weird though is they don't do it to anybody else but Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I don't get. It's like okay, the Chargers like they'll beat other good teams. The Bengals will beat other other good teams. The Colts literally only beat Kansas City. I yeah, I don't yeah. understand it. Yeah, I mean, talking about that, I mean, it's like the last two times the Colts played Baltimore, we had like three touchdown lead going into the fourth quarter and the lot, both the last two games. And then Lamar Jackson. Yep. You know, uh, what? Uh, so it's, it's nuts. Speaking of Lamar Jackson, does that effect on whether the, the uh, Jalen hurts contract, does that affect where, Lamar ends up playing this year. Is that going to affect, you know, the contracts being offered, you know, things it of that might. nature? It might. Um, mainly because it's it's one more feather in the cap for the Ravens to go back to Lamar and his mm-hmm. mom and say, this guy just went to the Super Bowl and came one play away from winning the Super Bowl. Why do you deserve more than him? And he's going to keep pointing to the Deshaun contract, but every single time another contract gets signed after the Deshaun contract, that is not the Deshaun contract. It makes it more and more evident that that's the outlier, not the rule. Mm-hmm. And that there will not be another outlier contract. Kyler signed after Daniel Jones signed after Jalen hurts signed after all these guys, they're making good, big money, but they got signed good. after that deal it makes it very clear that Cleveland is just kind of on an island here and that it's unrealistic that you're going to get matching money. If they just structure the deal the exact same way that Hertz's was, where it's, okay, it's a manageable cap hit, things can get spread around multiple times because, you know, it's it's like a, a even though it's, it's a huge amount due at signing, it depends if it's a signing bonus versus roster bonuses. Yeah. For, you know, from what I understand, it's a very manageable cap hit up front but still because of that no trade clause he's virtually guaranteed to get all that money anyway so i think if they structured it like that and presented it of like hey we're giving you the exact same deal of the guy who just went to the freaking super bowl i you know i think lamar would be a lot more compelled to say yes now than he would have been two weeks ago because i think it's very clear that the deshaun deal is not normal and the league or rather the owners will never let it be normal. Yeah. This is it's it's odd. I mean what the the only other fully guaranteed contract that I can think of off the top of my head was with the Vikings, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Kirk Cousins, which was yeah. for a shorter amount of time and for less money. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a years ago too. So I mean yeah. it seems like every year contracts like take massive leaps forward and yeah. how much you owe it's like you know uh was it uh i remember when uh the colts signed quentin nelson and everybody's like you don't pay a guard 20 million he's not the highest paid guard you know <laughs> no <laughs> it, it, it took like eight months for him to get passed like it wasn't yeah. even that big <laughs> that's weird you know how, how that how that jumps so so quickly is Aaron Rodgers actually going to get traded 
I think he will. <laughs> I, I mean, think he will. We've been talking about it for months now, and it's like in the bag. But if it was in the bag, it would have already been done. I, I don't understand. From that. what I understand, it's going to happen on draft day um, based on players that are available at certain picks and everything like that. But for, from what I understand, a lot of it depends on who's there at 13 versus 15. Maybe there's a pick swapped in, involved and then some extra picks on top of that. Like I think, I think if it was going to happen before draft day, it would have already happened. So I think they're waiting to see – on draft day, is there somebody that the Packers want to move up to 13 for and then Rodgers will be included in that deal? That's that's what I expect to happen. Okay. Yeah, I was – because I'm, I'm, I would have expected it to be done by now anyhow because in a situation like this, especially when you're – I'm not even talking about the Jets. The, the Packers themselves, they need to be in a situation – uh, themselves to be able to look at, let's say they, you know, we're handing it off to Jordan here. It, it's ready. It's time. You know, we, we mm-hmm. got to let you sit and, and prepare. And with the Jets, obviously, they need to have that knowledge before the draft. You know, I would assume, I would want that knowledge. Do we have Aaron Rodgers or not? And we, I, need I think to know that before the draft. I think they have a hundred percent certainty they're getting Aaron Rodgers. They just don't know when they're getting him. Uh, that's the bi- that's the big thing. <laughs> My goodness, ah, oh. that's that's just that whole situation with Aaron Rodgers is is messed up. I this back to back franchise quarterbacks for Green Bay at the end of their tenure leave and get go to the jets that's yep. weird i i i can't think <laughs> of that another time now in two years if aaron Rodgers leaves and goes to the vikings i'm gonna shit myself All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey t- time is a flat circle <laughs> <laughs> absolutely well, I think that's going to do it for, for this episode, man. You 45 minutes. I appreciate you uh, taking time out, hanging out with me, talk a little bit of Indianapolis Colts, a little bit of NFL, even got to talk about the Chargers a little bit, which was nice. Um, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you in case they don't know exactly, you know, type it in, whether it's on YouTube or whatever. Uh, you can find me all over the place uh, at Brett Coleman on YouTube. You can find uh, our podcast with my buddy EJ Snyder over at the Bootleg Football Podcast. We're going to be in Kansas City for the draft, doing live stream during all three days, breaking down every single pick, including who the Colts take. Uh, you can find my work for the NFL on the NFL's uh, YouTube channel, uh, or I guess the Bob Sanders one would, would be on NFL Throwback, but that, that'll come out this summer. Uh, and then, uh, obviously the chargers YouTube channel, if you're interested in what Kellen Moore's offense is going to look like, which, you know, for guys that play fantasy probably would be. And, uh, God, where else am I? I- I'm sure I'm doing some other stuff for other teams throughout the summer too. So I'm all over the place. That's awesome. Well, again, thanks so much, uh, for everything, uh, all the content that you bring out. I've, I've been a huge fan of yours for a long, long time and, <sighs> Honestly, when you reached out a month ago with the situation that my, you know, happened with my father, I was a bit on the shock side. So again, thank you so much. Um, and I hope everything continues to be blessed that comes your way.
All right. Uh, we can only next hope. Time, <laughs> <laughs> until next time, I'm Lawrence Owen. That's Brett Coleman. And uh, as usual, go Colts. Do you believe? And I think that's going to do it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.